The amazing non-alcoholic drink I'm having right now is Bombay Fire by Mocktail Club and just wow. I love spicy drinks and Bombay Fire is a balanced mix of organic pomegranate juice and decaffeinated tea that provides really good natural tannins. There's a little bit of agave for a bit of sweetness. And then you have natural chili pepper that provides this great smoky lingering taste and a bold kick that isn't overpowering. Mocktail Club is definitely worth trying and they have so many other drinks that you're gonna love and they're gonna be perfect for your next cocktail party. Hi everyone, I'm Marco Salazar and welcome to the For All Drinks podcast, your place for discovering delicious non-alcoholic beer, wine, spirits, mocktails, and more for leading a fun, healthy, and inclusive lifestyle. On today's episode, we'll be chatting with Pauline Adojo, founder and CEO of Mocktail Club, where we'll be talking all things non-alcoholic cocktails. Thanks so much for joining us today. Mocktail Club provides all natural ready-to-drink premium crafted cocktails with superfruits, tannins, rich flavors, as well as prebiotics and antioxidants. Mocktail Club is perfect for people who want a healthier lifestyle and alternative to alcohol but still want a kick. Mocktail Club emerged when Pauline Adolfo, founder and CEO of Mocktail Club, was looking for exciting and healthy non-alcoholic options, but found that there was a lack of rich and interesting flavors out there. In her quest to maintain her social experiences and inspired by her global travels, she began creating bold and daring flavors that are typically not found in non-alcoholic beverages. Mocktail Club celebrates and embraces the world of infusing global spices such as cardamom, chili peppers, and lemongrass. They've captured the sights and sound of travel experiences and have bottled them up for you to enjoy at your next social occasion. So here she is, Pauline Adoho from Mocktail Club. Hi, Pauline. Welcome to the Four All Drinks podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I'm really excited to chat with you because I really, really was impressed by your drinks, Mocktail Club, and the complexity as well as the natural ingredients. And um, just excited to dive into the origins of Mocktail Club. So kick it off. Where did the idea for Mocktail Club come from? So it was one of those serendipitous events that happened. So I was eight months pregnant. I was a renewable energy finance specialist at the time, and I just closed the deal. And I was celebrating with my team at a bar and I was buying everyone drinks and food. And so I was buying everyone wine and food. And I asked the bartender for something for me. And so he gave me soda and lime and a friend of a friend was a venture capitalist. He's like, you should do something about it. You should start something. I was like, that's a great idea. And that night I bought a domain name and actually just started creating these recipes and that, that was really my journey. That's how I started. And I just realized that there was such a huge sobriety spectrum. I mean, there were the pregnant women, but you know, there was the sober curious movement. There were people who had been sober for 13 years. There were people who were allergic to alcohol and there were people who were just marathon runners and just didn't want to drink every time and they wanted to be healthy. And so that really made me appreciate how large the market was. And then I spent about two years really diving into creating handmade recipes and then transferring them into something that I could create for the larger market. I love it. So you were helping to solve your own problem. So as you started that one night, you buy the domain and was the original domain Mocktail Club? It wasn't actually. It was, it was funny. It was Montails, so which is actually the company name. So it was like Silent and the Mum. 
And then, and a lot of it came from mother nature. And that's why the focus was really about natural, um, about 95% of all our ingredients are organic. So the whole focus was if, if you can't say a word, if it's too complicated, it doesn't go into the bottle. That was just the, the basic rule in terms of figuring out the ingredients. And you're reminding me, I have another company, Be Social Change, and we had partnered pretty significantly with Kind Bar. And that was kind of the reason that Kind Bar became very successful as well. And I agree, the ingredients are typically four to six ingredients, all natural. So can you share as you started making these recipes, what was that process? How did you even get started with that? Yeah, so it was interesting because, again, my background's not a traditionalist. So a lot of what I pulled from was a mixture of just traveling around the world for work and a culinary love. My husband and I love to cook. So basically, the way I saw it was just replicating what made a good cocktail. So some of the key things, it was really all about balance. So it's a level of some level of sweetness, some level of acidity some level of bitterness and savory tones to it. And then another thing also was just creating tannins as well and sort of viscosity in the mouth flavors. So I picked all the different ingredients that ended up recreating all the best things about a cocktail, a good cocktail. So instead of actually trying to recreate a mojito or a sangria and making it into a non-alcoholic, I literally just took the best things about creating a cocktail and recreated it. So in terms of the the tartness, I focused on shrubs, which are essentially a syrup. It's an infusion of fruits and apple cider vinegar. So that gives you that level of tartness and that sweetness at the same time. So three out of the four flavors all have shrubs. And the benefit about shrubs too, is it has apple cider vinegar, which has prebiotics. So beyond also being complex from a complexity and creating a cocktail, it's also good for you as well, which is all part of this mother and nature and and being natural and great ingredients. And so we use tea as well, because tea is also tannin builder as well. So all our flavors have tea as a component. And pomegranates, which are great superfoods as well, also have that natural tannin. So, you know, if you think of a wine and and sort of the richness that's created, you can replicate that with having some of these really strong fruit juices with great superfoods as well and antioxidants. Um, So that's kind of how we layered and created uh, Mocktail Club and these flavors and I think the last thing that, that really gave it that uniqueness was really playing around with spices. So the Havana twist has cardamom and cloves, which is typically unique for a non-alcoholic cocktail, but it gives it that extra interesting kick at the end. And I remember at the bar, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted something that I could sip, sort of think through what I was sipping on and really enjoy all the different flavor combinations. I I think the thing that's really interesting about the four different types of drinks, and I'd love for you to share the four different types, is one, there's a particular set of ingredients, but then it's also tied to a place. And as I was drinking the, the drinks, I could see myself in that physical place. So why did that get integrated into the branding and uh, the mixtures of the drinks? 
just taking a step back when I was playing around and I had started off with the mojitos and, and sort of the non-alcoholic drinks, I realized people were always excited when I did something unique. And that's when I knew I had something. And then I started creating a vibe, which is what you got from it. And then I created the, it was sort of, I, I actually started off with a place, a place I had been to or worked in. And it could be music or just the beach or something that that particular place evoked for me. And then I worked backwards to create a drink that reflected that. And so that's how I created Havana Twist. And cucumber, mint, and lime just reminds me of Havana or mojito or sitting somewhere wonderful and it's warm outside. And then it was a matter of layering all the different aspects to really create a rich drink. And that's, that's the same way I would do with Capri Sour, which was Italian based. And it was something that was refreshing and basically what I would love to drink in an island. And, and that's exactly, and Bombay Fire was similar. It was sort of the heat, just the images and colorful personality of Bombay. And, and, and that's really how I, I created them. But what, what's interesting about them is they're never, they represent different cultures as well. They're never true to a specific place. Like cardamom and cloves are more Indian and not necessarily from Havana. And yet they still form into that narrative of what that country or what that particular flavor should evoke when I drink it. And a couple things just to get specific is that there is tea in terms of the ingredients. There is tea, but it's caffeine free, correct? Yes. Yeah. And the reason why it's caffeine free is because when I had started, I, I was pregnant and I wanted to make sure that other women who, whether they were breastfeeding or pregnant, could drink it as well. So I, I'm always going to continue with that caffeine free tea because it was really all about inclusivity. One of the other things that's interesting in terms of the shift in the growth of not the non-alcoholic beverage industry is previously when you would ask for a non-alcoholic beverage, it tended to be either kind of a little bit of boring uh, or high in sugar. And there's been some non-alcoholic beverages that kind of tout that they don't have any sugar, they're super low in sugar, and there is some sugar in your drinks, but can you share it's not refined sugar, but it's, it's primarily from agave and it's also what provides some of that complexity. Right, so, I mean, so we're about 80 calories and, you know, if you have two cocktails, about 40, 45 calories per drink. And again, for me, it was important to be healthy. And that's why we focus on apple cider vinegar and superfoods. At the same time, it's also important to have taste. And, you know, if you think of beyond meat and, and sort of the plant-based industry, it's sort of the same thing. And that's why it's evolving. It's it's important for people to enjoy the experience. So as much as it's important to maybe not have any sugar whatsoever, I, I wanted that complexity. And I felt that the balance was a hybrid of some level of sweetness, not too much, and some level of acidity to balance. And you need a bit of sugar in any cocktail to balance the acidity that comes from it or, or the heavy spices. So it, it, was, a, it was really a matter of just 
making sure there's enough balance of everything to create this cocktail. And in terms of sugar, I didn't want to use actual sugar. So I found, I found substitutes. And, and the one thing that's good about agave is it gives you that viscosity, which, you know, a good cocktail mixologist would talk about, which gives you that nice taste when you, when you drink it. And it also enables some of the, the, the spices and the fruits to come forward in, in the flavor profile. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely, there are some non-alcoholic beverages that don't have any sugar or super low sugar, and there's something missing. You could you could definitely tell, and I, I do agree, there is this really nice balance of all of that. So as you're creating these recipes, then what next? Like after you're doing the recipes, you, you're not from the beverage industry. How do you start this? Yeah, so it sort of had two, two sort of milestones that I felt I needed to meet to sort of pivot into this brand new industry. And the first one was I, I talked to one of these high-end restaurants in D.C. and I met with the chef. And because I came with a culinary take to cocktails, I, I sort of wanted to get some validation from the restaurant industry or from a, a great chef. And so she picked up the drinks and that was sort of first validation. And then the second validation was that I wanted to be at Whole Foods. And I felt like that is that was the sort of person that I was creating this for in the sense that they like clean, natural ingredients, organic, and you know, 1% of our sales goes to clean water. They cared about causes and they were adventurous. They were willing to try things with cardamom or chili peppers. And so that was sort of my next step. And I gave myself a couple of months. And once I, I got into Whole Foods, it, that was really when it you know, was game on. Yeah. And I love that there's that social impact piece to it as well. So you launched, I believe, in 2018? Yeah. End of two, November 2018. Yes. And then as you're kind of launching, how are people's responses when you ended up officially launching? It's It's been great. Uh, I mean, we've clearly had to deal with COVID, but I think that's also been great in a sense because, you know, our strategy was really just launching via Whole Foods and really just growing through natural stores and a couple of wine stores as well and just going through the chains and really getting enough retail doors. And then when COVID happened, we, you know, we had to pivot from that model and really got to focus on the e-commerce platform. And I think that that's, you know, that was a blessing in disguise because I think the world is going to, people want ease in terms of shopping. And post COVID, the world has changed in terms of how people get their products. And it's really important to be part of that. So it sort of forced us to create an e-commerce model probably earlier and, and put in more effort into it than we had planned, but it, it's a great thing. Yeah. And over the past year, we've just seen the non-alcoholic beverage industry just grow, both in terms of consumers being able to purchase via and also within COVID. And I think there's just been so many options that are coming to market, like like Mocktail Club, which is really, really great. In terms of engaging with your customers, are there any particular aspects of the drinks that they enjoy most or they're surprised about uh, when they end up drinking uh, Mocktail Club? Yeah, I mean, typically people are 
I love them because they have, they all have different personalities and maybe it was the culinary aspect. It felt like a different tasting menu and none of them were real replicas of the other. They were just very different. And I think what is, what I love is just, you know, not even being able to predict people's favorite drinks. Like Sometimes I'm shocked at how someone would love Bombay Fire that I didn't expect to love it because it's it's got that heat. And I find that it, essentially all the drinks have these sort of cultish following, which is great, where someone loves Bombay Fire, thinks Manhattan Berry is okay, and then you find somebody else where, you know, there are times when I even get emails from someone that, you know, the store at Whole Foods is run out of Manhattan Berry. And can I please do something about it? Because they need to buy X amount. And, you know, they love the ginger because it helps them with their system and just great things like that. So I think just having these very strong, different drinks creates this sort of follow in, which which is great. And um, just hearing from customers, I mean, there are some times where it's you know, it's fun to hear from people who may have stopped drinking and just love the fact that this is such a great alternative. And so those types of stories are, are wonderful. Or, you know, even it's, you know, they're able to order in a restaurant. And back in the day, they didn't have that option. You know, I've had people say, you know, we want non-alcoholic products in museums and different things because we enjoy these 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 events and yet when we we go to you know five o'clock museum event there's there's nothing there that caters for people so it's it's exciting from that journey and and just really trying to grow so that people have better options especially socially there's so many things i want to ask you about in terms of what you just shared the first is that between the four types, the Bombay Fire, Capri Sour, Mahanberry, and Havana Twist, they are all extremely distinct in terms of flavor profiles. I totally get that it could appeal, like the Bombay Fire, I know people that would absolutely devour that. And then I know someone who would really, really like the Havana Twist. So I love that you have the very distinct flavors that are, are offerings to different people's palates. And I think it touches upon what you just shared is that there's this unique opportunity in the non-alcoholic beverage industry that we're in that really creates inclusivity, creates opportunities for people to partake with a delicious non-alcoholic beverage in every type of occasion. I, 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 The museum is really interesting because I always talk about restaurants, bars, events, weddings, but you're totally spot on. I, 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 I'm thinking about pre-pandemic New York and going to the Met or going to some of the other museums and there's always they're giving away free wine or you're charging for wine and beer, but they're, or water or a soda and that's about it. So the museum is really interesting. I've actually done an event in the museum, that's why in DC. So. <laughs> and it was one of their happy, you know, sort of happy hour time in events. And, you know, just providing great options for people to enjoy art and yet be part of the conversation and hold something that they're sipping and enjoying. Yeah. So you launched with a focus on Whole Foods and then the pandemic kind of switched. So you're now having to integrate e-commerce as the pandemic is hopefully going to be over soon. Where do you see yourself moving forward in terms of growth, in terms of reaching new people? Yeah, that's a good question. I think we're, we're going to be 
we're still going to focus on the e-commerce. I think that's important. I think that's the future. And we're actually going to launch a subscription model starting soon. So we're excited about that. And, and one thing I will say that I, so, so people like their, their cultish following, but the, the most popular actual product is the variety pack. And I think because it's so diverse, people actually enjoy that. You know, it's sort of Monday, I get to try Bombay Fire and the next day. And, you know, as we launch different flavors, that's kind of the focus we would do, you know, maybe bitters or something else, but there would still be this larger spectrum so that every day is something unique and different instead of having six of the exact same thing. So we realized that people actually love the diversity of, of, of the flavors. So with the subscription box, it would be great because then people can order variety packs and get those monthly. And we're also planning on doing recipes as well. And so you can play around and, and do little things with it. Maybe add bitters, some juniper to create a little bit of that gin-like feel with a cocktail without necessarily doing anything else. You can essentially just crush them and add a little bit of that to like a Manhattan berry and essentially create almost like a Alton gin Havana twist. So those will be some of the things you would get in, in the subscription model. And then on the retail side, we do believe that, you know, the world will start opening up and, you know, we're going to continue building our platform with Whole Foods and in other retail stores. So that's also the plan to try to get it nationwide and everywhere. We're also on Amazon as well. So, Are there any cocktails that you've made or that you make regularly? The juniper idea is really interesting. I love the flavor of gin and the complexities of juniper. So I do add those pretty regularly to some of uh -huh. the, the drinks that I make. Yeah. So yeah, I've been playing a lot with juniper actually, especially because the, the thing is, so I although everything's natural and, and, and all the ingredients are natural, the, the key thing that I did was, and I'm assuming spirits do quite a bit of that with vanilla and chocolate and, and really blend in a lot of flavors. Uh, the key for me was I used about 10 to 13 different ingredients for each drink, which you typically wouldn't find in non-alcoholic cocktails. I mean, people typically use a few, two or three different things but I really wanted that richness. So the benefit of that is you really don't have to do very much with the flavors. They're really crafted for you, but I definitely like playing with juniper. I, I like playing with rosemary as well. And I, you know, dehydrated orange with a bit of cayenne pepper can be interesting too. So I focus a lot on the garnish and, and a few little things that give it that accent especially a bit of a herbal accent, which you can naturally do, which is, especially with like juniper and, and certain things, it's, it's funny how easy it actually is. You just crush it with a bit of sugar and you can really, when you seep the drinks through it, you can actually really create some fascinating drinks with little things like that. Yeah, you kind of read my mind because the other thing I was going to ask is that the interesting thing about your drinks is that unlike having to create your own cocktail with multiple types of spirits, which which is great and you can totally do that, yours just already come very easily pre-made and you just pour it over ice and the complexity is already there. And then the other side, what you're pointing out is you just, if you want to add one or two ingredients, that may shift it a little bit. And it's just that simple if you want to have a little bit of variety. 
I'd love to learn a little bit more about you. Can you share a little bit more about your background and how you feel work experience, personal experiences, how that has been integrated into Mocktail Club? Yeah, so my background, I'm originally from Nigeria. I was born there. I left when I was around 10, went to high school in London, spent about a year plus in Paris, and then moved to the U.S. So my background's always been been pretty international. And then in the US, I started off doing investment banking and energy and realized that I wanted to make a difference, which is why all these different things come together in Mocto Club. And then worked at the private arm of the World Bank where I, where the, it's called the IFC and it invested in companies in emerging markets. And so I traveled to the Middle East, Africa, Asia, doing business, investing in companies. And then I went to business school at Wharton and thought I would be doing renewable energy and, and doing clean energy, which I ended up doing. And that's what I did after business school. And then I ended up at that bar and, and the world changed and I, I truly pivoted. But I think a lot of my experiences are there, which is just a love for international international culture, flavors, food. That's that's part of how I created all the drinks. I think the focus on also giving back is there. And I had worked at the IFC and I had worked on infrastructure and power most most of the time. And I think water, I mean, one in 10 people don't have access to water. And I think it's another infrastructure building block. And I wanted to build something that hopefully was about inclusivity, treating, you know, treating yourself, having an enjoyable social experience, but also feel that, you know, every dollar I make in, some of that's going to something bigger. And so I could really build this into something and really feel good about what I was doing. So that's also been very, very exciting. We're currently working with Water for People and it's such a, it's a fulfilling experience. So that just adds to, to the day job. It's amazing. So it's fun. I love you thinking about using uh, your business as a force for good. So as you, you obviously went to business school, you learned about business, but what's been the biggest surprise or learning diving in as an entrepreneur and creating your own business? I think, well, I, I'm sure you kn I knew that you would use every facet of business school, irrespective of what it was, you know, if you thought operations was okay, you, you would end up doing a lot of operations or marketing or anything. So just how diverse the, the learning curve is, it's, it's essentially you have to be, you have to be good enough at everything. So that's, that's expected. But I mean, when you live day to day, you really appreciate how diverse your skill sets need to be. And I think tenacity is probably one of the biggest things, especially in the beverage industry. And, you know, as it grows, they're, you know, the, the larger players are, are, are going to come in and it's, it's really important to have that tenacity to kind of continue and build something amazing irrespective. So that's also something that, you know, you're taught, but you, you need to practice when you become an entrepreneur. So that's, that's fun. Yeah. And, and I think what's interesting about the businesses in general, but it's as I've been diving into the non-alcoholic beverage industry, it I don't know if all these beverage companies would have been able to grow five, 10 years ago, because now 
costs of a number of ways in which you would produce the products have decreased, but you can also outsource a lot of things as well. So you don't mm -hmm. have to have this huge team. You don't have to raise yeah, all exactly. this capital. And yeah. how have you, how have you structured your team? So we have a very small team so far. We've been bootstrapping, you know, that might change over the next year or two. And, and to your point, you, you can do quite a bit with, you know, suppliers, co-packers, and, and really build a team of people that you respect and love working with and ultimately be able to create a lot. And, and that's essentially what we've been able to do. As an entrepreneur and is growing this company, what's your favorite part? of the work. I love the fact that it's every day changes. Every yeah, every day is not the same. You you're never bored. It's always exciting. There's so much growth to 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 happen. So you're constantly growing as a person. That's fun. I love interacting with customers. I love getting feedback. I love it when I hear the products making a difference in someone's life. That's always great. And then I love the little things like my little kids who cannot read, you know, four and three, just almost three, looking at the brand and knowing that's Mokdo Club. I, I, I think that's, that's the little things, but I think it's so important because it, it sort of teaches them that they can be entrepreneurs. They can come up with some whatever idea and, and just figure out how to make it happen. I think that's that's so much fun. And I love the the giving back aspect. I love working with the the organization that we're working with. So it's sort of very multifaceted. And I love being building a brand. I, I love being able to be the last person that makes decisions on a lot of things, better or for worse, but it's, it's fun to do that. So as we wrap up, where do you see the company going? How, what's your vision? And I know it's, it's interesting. I asked that question and I love hearing it, but you could say, where do you see the company one, three years from now? But sometimes things just dramatically change as we've seen in the past year. But what's your long-term vision for the company? We definitely want to be more national in so many more places, museums, as we mentioned, so that people have access to great non-alcoholic products. So that's big picture. We want to be part of just redefining the social experience. And then in terms of just how we see ourselves, we wanna be innovators, continuously pushing flavors, boundaries, and then playing around with the health and wellness space and just, and, and looking at potential different types of lines of, of the business and not necessarily just mocktails, it could be something else, but really focusing on the health and wellness aspect of the business. And I think there's quite a lot to play with. So it's it's quite exciting. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and getting deep into all the ingredients of the cocktails. Can you share, where can people find you? So you can find us on our website, mocktailclub.com on Amazon and select Whole Foods and hopefully a lot more going forward. Thanks so much for joining us today. And I hope you were inspired by Pauline's story and how she created Mocktail Club. They have amazing drinks that are different than everything that's out there in the non-alcoholic beverage space, and I hope you have an opportunity to try them. If you're subscribed to the show, thanks for being part of the For All Drinks community. I'd be super grateful if you can take a moment to leave me a rating if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast. If you're not a subscriber yet, be sure to subscribe to this and all the other episodes of the podcast to start discovering more delicious non-alcoholic drinks. 
Lastly, visit fouralldrinks.com for show notes to this episode and sign up for our newsletter to get the latest non-alcoholic beverage news, special giveaways, discounts, and more. Here's to drinking healthy, inclusively, and different. See you all next week.